you know, trying to raise the level of the championship. And I think, you know, we're, you know, we're trying to make Moto America a place that, you know, they anybody would be proud to race at. And I think our riders are, you know, it's a legit championship this year. The Superbike class probably has seven or eight guys that could win races or, you know, at least be on the podium. So it's, you know, it's, it's a pretty high level and the other classes we brought on as, as, uh, have proven popular, you know, from twins to baggers to the next gen super sport. Episode 122 tank slap and podcast. Got another interview pod today. Pretty stoked on this one. It's Chuck Axlin, my guy Chuck from Moto America. I don't, I forget what his actual title is. It's C C C O or C O. Whatever. We'll we'll get to that. It's, it's something important. We got Chuck coming on. We're gonna talk everything there is to talk about. Um, leading up to the Daytona 200, Moto America's outlook for the future. I got some fun questions for him and things like that. So we're going to bring him on here in a uh, couple minutes here, probably two, three minutes. I want to make sure we shout out a couple sponsors and make the pods happen week in and week out. Mission Foods, our title sponsor of the podcast. Really appreciate everything they're doing for the pod, for the sport, everything in general without Mission Food. It's actually weird to think about what the industry was like before Mission Foods because they do so much to uh, to keep flat track going, keeping Moto America going. They're just heavily involved in the teams, the riders, and it's really cool to see. So if you can support Mission Foods, go to your local grocery store. And if you can't buy it there, look it up online and get some products. They're uh, really good products. We love the Mission Foods products before they were even involved. And it's a bonus now that they're involved as well. So check them out. Bell Power Sports. Check out bellhelmets.com to view their full line of products. I personally wear the Race Star Flex and the Moto 10 when I'm on the dirt bike. The quality and safety of these helmets is unmatched. If you start tank slapping, you want to be protected by Bell. Not a lot going on otherwise, I guess, in the sport. I haven't really seen anything eye-grabbing on uh, the flat track or road race side of things that I can personally think of. Um, nothing that we haven't talked about in the last pod, so... Uh, there was a pretty big local race down here in Florida over the weekend and, um, at a track in Ocala, Florida. And a lot of the, uh, top ranked flat track guys showed up, Cody Cop, Max Whale, Trevor Bruner, Dallas, JD, Trent Lowe. And, uh, it was actually really cool for me because the, the young kid I help out, he's an amateur, he's 15, Evan Renshaw. He actually won both pro mains against all those riders, on my personal stock KTM. So that was really cool. And then a shout out to James Ott, who actually is riding for the first impressions racing team that I'm managing this year. He got second. So it was really cool to have um, that level of competition at like an outlaw race leading up to the season. And for, uh, for Evan to, to get those wins was, uh, was pretty impressed. I was pretty impressed to be honest. I mean, I, I trained with him a lot and he's come a long way and I wasn't overly surprised just because um, him and Trent pushing each other week in and week out and, and putting up with me, he's, he's getting pretty, pretty mentally tuned in. So no, that was cool to see one step in the process, uh, leading up to Daytona. So it should be, um, it was really cool that, to see those guys and, um, everyone down here in Florida, it's the moto track, the, the local races, everything is just so stacked and it's, it's really cool to have that competition pushing each other week in and week out. 
Uh, with that being said, we got a lot of questions here. I want to ask Chuck. He's on the line. We'll bring him in right now. This show is sponsored by Indian Motorcycle. Since 1901, Indian Motorcycle has been the choice of riders who make their own rules. Solid lineup of motorcycles from the Scout Bobber, the Chief, the Challenger, the FTR. If you can, go out to your local dealership and test ride a bike. Chuck's on the line. What up, Chuck? How are you, man? I'm doing pretty good. Corey, how are you doing? Can't complain, dude. Just uh, another week, another pod. You've been a listener for a while, man. How? What was your first tank slap and pod you've listened to? Because that's kind of how I I started talking to you. It was like you came up to me, and I think it was at Volusia, and you're like, "Yeah, listen to the pods." And um, yeah, that was kind of our first interaction a couple years ago. So, what was your first one? Yeah, you know, I don't I don't remember the first one, but it was probably two three years ago, and. Um... You know, I, I kind of follow a lot of a lot of comments on social media, a lot of, you know, we're a forums and and, you know, and, and probably what spurred me was maybe some comments from Robbie Bobby at some point. And uh, then I just started listening all the time. And, you know, I liked the uh, enjoyed you guys' format, uh, especially, you know, when you start talking about where the riders came from, you know, their beginnings, their roots, you know, how they got started. I thought that was all pretty cool. So I've been a pretty uh pretty good listener ever since and i've thrown a few guests your ways you know yeah we love it we love to hear it yeah it's uh no that's cool man i like i said the first time i talked to you was evolution since then we've uh we've kept in contact pretty well and you uh you have a history man i i didn't know your history like when i first met you i just knew you as chuck who you know I, we talk <laughs> here and there i didn't know i mean i knew you had some sort of history but i didn't know to the extent to what uh what you've done and what you what you are currently doing. So what is your I'm probably I should know this. I definitely should know this. What is your actual title with Moto America? Uh COO, which I guess is chief operating officer. Okay. So yeah, what, yeah. what that generally entails is uh you know, obviously with myself, Richard Varner, Terry Cargus and Wayne, you know, we're we're the partnership team that kind of creates the overall vision for the direction of Moto America. And my sort of day-to-day role is, you know, is, uh, you know, putting together the, the schedules year to year, negotiating with the tracks, helping uh, develop the rules. Uh, I do all of our TV deals, um, kind of help a little bit on the marketing and sponsorship side, you know, put my input in, um, you know, where it's, where it's welcome or not welcome. So um, yeah, it keeps me pretty busy. Yeah. And prior to that, and we'll get into it for, I mean, we'll get into the Moto America stuff a little bit later, but prior to that, your background, um, you were the team manager for Roberts racing with Kenny Roberts. So you have a, a really, really rich and long history with Kenny Roberts and we've had, we've had him on the pod and that was one of my favorite shows we've done just cause, um, I don't know, we, I got along really well with him. Like, I don't know Kenny super well, um, a little bit different age age uh, bracket there but i've i actually vibed with kenny really well like he was um i've heard he's pretty spunky and spicy but man he was right up my alley so uh we got along really well and and uh and you have a really rich history with kenny so talk about your background with him and then if you want to transition to uh your work your work relationship with him as well yeah so uh not a lot of people know you know but, but my father bud axlin who turned out to be probably one of the best two-stroke tuners um in the world um he was my my father was kenny's first sponsor when he was about 14 years old 
racing around Lodi Cycle Bowl and, and those kind of places. So I guess uh, Kenny is about 10 years older than I am. So he's been around since I was about four or five. And maybe that's why I'm so scarred these days. I don't know. But, um, yeah, you know, I've kind of kind of grown up with him and uh, obviously been on a lot of the key moments in his career from, you know, when he was a, a novice to a rookie expert to, um, you know, I was there when he rode that TZ 750 miler at Indy in part because Skip rode one too, uh, my uncle. Um, and I went to Europe with Kenny in 1983 for his last uh, Grand Prix year. And I was, I was racing some flat track and, and motocross before then. He asked me to help train him um, uh, leading up to that last year. So I moved in with him. We trained every day, rode every day, got ready for 83, went over to Europe with him, helped him drive his motor home, cleaned his shields, carried his helmet, you know, all that fun stuff. I think I was the first helmet boy probably in existence, but uh, it was pretty easy because I think at that time he only had one helmet and three face shields. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so I came back in 83, decided to want to road race and, and um, went to Keith Code School at Laguna Seca. And, uh, yeah, went, went road racing me and, uh, did three club races, I think. And in 84, me and Wayne were, uh, teammates at Daytona in the 250 race. That's crazy. Yeah. I don't, you're, you always send me these photos of you flat tracking back at Kenny, Kenny's ranch. And, uh, and we, we talk a little shit back and forth. I, I actually really enjoy it, but, uh, no, I mean that, I mean, uh, growing up with and around guys like that. And then, uh, spending time overseas for quite a while. Cause after Kenny retired, obviously he had his own, his own race team and, and you were the manager. So were you kind of the manager from the beginning? Like he just, with your relationship, he came to you right away and Hey, Chuck, I want to do this. You know, will you be the manager? I mean, how, how did that, how did that go? Cause it's kind of hard, like when you're around people a lot and your friends to yeah. kind of transition into like a work environment. Um, so how, how did, did that all play out? Well, when I, when I decided to road race, so it's 84, he had retired after 83 and he decided to start running a team, which the first year was the 250 GP team that had Wayne and uh, English guy named Alan Carter as the riders. And then, um, like, a, like I mentioned, I, I wanted to start road racing. Kenny and I built this, uh, it was like a Delta box frame before Delta box were invented. And I raced that at Daytona. And so I, I, I rode a 250 for, for two years and then a super bike for one year. Never, never really got to do a full season either because I got hurt or just couldn't afford really to, to do the whole, the, the whole year. And, and at that time, there was only a few guys really getting paid uh, to, you know, in racing at that time and road racing in particular. So I sort of gave myself three years to do it. And uh, if I made it, I made it. If I didn't, I didn't. And I didn't, so kind of bowed out of it and got a kind of a, a real job, uh, skipped out me a job at Federal Express. So instead of racing motorcycles, we were racing, delivering packages, which was kind of fun in its own right. But um, did you just call it Federal of, Express? Its court. Did you just call it Federal Express? Is that Federal FedEx? Express? Is that FedEx? FedEx, yeah. It used I've to never, be called Federal Express. I've never yeah. heard anybody call I guess it I'm Federal Express. My age. Chill out, yeah, it's it just FedEx. We, we know yeah, FedEx. FedEx. <laughs> so uh yeah, so I did that for probably a year or two. And and uh Kenny had the team here in the States, which my dad was actually running uh, alongside his his uh five hundred 
uh, Grand Prix team in Europe. And so I just came to him and, you know, asked if I can get involved. And he had some need for a, kind of a, a manager, commercial guy, you know, here in the States because, you know, he had uh, Nordica as a sponsor. And then I think the following year it was Viceroy, you know, his tobacco companies involved. So we kind of need somebody to uh, coordinate all that. And which I did that. I don't know some people might remember the the year when uh, we got in a battle with the AMA over putting an AMA sticker on the side of your bike. So we ended up quitting uh, the AMA series and, and did Formula USA and ultimately brought over two 500 Grand Prix bikes, which Rich Oliver and Robbie Peterson uh, rode. And so I was involved in that. Uh, we stopped that team, I guess it would have been 1991. 1991 and then i went uh went over to europe in in 92 to to help run the, the grand prix team yeah that's awesome now a couple i mean obviously the oliver and P peterson robbie's one of my favorite people man I, I we actually i don't think i've ever had him on the pod we need to schedule a, a pod with robbie but uh yeah. with all all that time spent with kenny have you uh, obviously you know there's probably been some disagreements and arguments have, have you guys actually ever ever like gotten a fist fight or anything i mean just you spend that much time with somebody i mean there's you, it's got to happen right uh, we definitely definitely had some debates you know uh, i think i think i only quit on him one time and it was at a one of his new year's eve parties and i think wayne was there and we had a disagreement and i said okay i'm i'm out of here and and so i think uh wayne reminded kenny the next day that um Hey, better call Chuck because I think he quit. <laughs> so, <laughs> but you know that was that was probably with a few beers or mart martinis or whatever we were drinking at the time in both of us. Um, you know, we had some disagreements when we were we were building our own bikes in the UK. You know, after 1996, going into the 97 Grand Prix season, we decided to build our own bikes to to uh, do the, the 500 championship with, and that evolved from the two stroke into a V5 four stroke. And, and um, I think we ended up doing that for 10 or 12 years, something like that. And I actually moved my family to the UK. Some of my kids grew up over there. And, um, but yeah, during that, that was a, that was quite an experience. And I think during some of that time we had some disagreements, but it's, you know, it's the same, you know, now, even with Moto America, me and Wayne disagree on things, but we're, both professional enough and it was the same with Kenny you kind of voice your opinion and you make a decision and you go on so there was never any turmoil in anything really you know Kenny's kind of like my uncle or my brother you know he's family so um it's yeah. been like that since I was a kid and and always will be yeah you're pretty easygoing too just from my time with you like I've never seen you heated yet is there a time when Chuck ever gets heated uh what is it what does it take for Chuck to kind of go uh go angry mode because i've never seen it it doesn't happen a lot Corey. but <laughs> when it does it's probably not pretty um and probably you know it's it stems more out of frustration or not being able to get done what needs to be done at certain times or whatever it doesn't it doesn't happen very often so i think patience is a is a, is a virtue and probably my experience you know being around all kinds of different types of racing for so long is as as uh it's kind of helped my thought processes uh, out and um, yeah, laid back, I guess is one word, but I just tend to, to, to gather all the information where I can and try and understand all sides because there definitely is always two sides to the story. And, you know, so we, even with 
what we do now with Moto America, we try and gather as much information as we can before we make decisions. So that definitely yeah. takes some of the heat out of it, you know? Yeah. I'm going to bounce around on some of these questions because I just have some random ones that I'm genuinely, genuinely curious about. Uh, obviously you're a flat track fan. You, your uncle is, uh, is Skip Axlin. Obviously a lot of people know, know Skip and his accomplishments. And you mentioned your dad and your relationship with Kenny. Um, with that being said, and maybe you're biased, everyone's biased a little bit, but <laughs> who, who's your favorite flat track racer to watch all time? Cause you've been obviously from the Kenny Roberts era, the seventies, eighties, nineties, two thousands. Um, maybe we'll take Kenny out of the equation. Cause that might be a little biased or, or skip, but who is your, maybe one or two guys that over the years, maybe past and present, who you really enjoy watching, whether it's their riding style or, you know, their personality, who's, uh, who's entertaining to Chuck. Well, I think, I think, yeah, it's probably best to take Skip and Kenny out of it. I think, I think Kenny still, you know, when you, when you watch a guy on a dirt track bike, mini bike, whatever it is, you know, he goes from straight up and down to having to think completely sideways to accelerate on the corner, still like nobody else I've seen. But I grew up with that, so it's probably not a not a fair to assessment to put him in the mix there. But you know, when Skip was racing, Jay Springsteen, you know, they came up as uh, juniors and rookie experts together. Um, that was always pretty pretty anticipated. They were they were rivals, but Springer was, uh, you know, he was a lot like watching Kenny. You know, there's always going to something something was going to happen when he was on the racetrack, and he was just exciting to watch. And you know. I've, those guys definitely knew how to flick around a 750 on a half mile. And yeah. So if, if I was going to name somebody other than the two guys closest to me, I would pick Springer. Yeah. And then, and obviously beside myself, uh, who is a, <laughs> I can't even say it seriously, uh, beside myself, who is a current guy that, cause you watch the races now as, as many as you can. Is there anybody that you kind of root for are you allowed to i mean you're not you're not really tied in with anything so is there anybody you uh kind of root for or enjoy watching in in aft right now you know now it's probably more i just like to watch a good race you know i think a lot of the top guys have a lot of talent um you know dallas daniels came up through um you know the our, our junior cup which is our ktm you know cup at the point at, the, at that time and and the uh, junior cup and so I've kind of watched him grow over the years and, and certainly you could see from a far distance, you know, his talent. Uh, it was funny because uh, with the junior cup, he had gotten a ride over at um, on the world championship level on the R3. And so I didn't know at the time, but I was going over to, to Qatar because I'm also the manager for Jonathan Ray, the, the Superbike champion and, and uh, Dallas and his father was there. And um, I don't know, Dallas is an exciting young guy, but, at the end of the day, you know, whether it's the 450 class, that's super exciting to watch. And, uh, yeah, you know, JD, the Yamaha guys, uh, Briar Bauman. Um, yeah, just a good race. I think they all got a lot of talent. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, uh, it, I make the argument all the time that, uh, the talent is as good as it's ever been at the top. Like, obviously they're the, um, the entry numbers aren't there, but the talent is, is kind of unquestioned. I mean, you watch these guys ride and it's uh, how much they're training and riding and the equipment. And I just actually talked about this with, I was with JD on Saturday at a, at a local race and 
and we were venting a little bit about about that stuff and um so no it's no that's cool i just yeah i didn't know if you had a a favor besides me that you uh rooted for so uh, let me I ask know- you a question Corey. how <laughs> so you're you're working with young guys now are your younger guys faster than you now uh no i whoop their asses pretty much every every day but uh no i don't so this weekend for me chuck it was kind of weird because i only have one 450 down here that i'm riding flat track bike and um the kid i'm helping renshaw evan he doesn't have a bike like he rides mine so we go to the races this weekend and there's one bike to ride in the pro classes so Either I was going to ride pro and he was going to ride amateur or he was going to ride pro and I had to ride the vet class, um, which is a very fucking weird transition for me in my life. So um, I decided it was more beneficial for him to ride the pro classes and get that experience because I'm not really racing for anything right now. And it wasn't a lot of money. If it was a lot of money, I would have shit canned him and said, hey, kid, you're racing amateur. I'm going for the Cheddar. But I put him out in the pro classes and I rode the... I rode the, uh, the, the vet classes. Um, so on the TT, it was a double header. The TT, I was faster consistently than they were, which is weird. Like Paul, Ott, the guy that helps me, he's like, man, I, I didn't think you'd be that much, you know, that good on the TT. I'm like, dude, I'm a TT and son of a gun. What are you talking about? So, um, <laughs> but then on the short track, we were very similar. Um, he might've been a notch quicker. So I don't know. I like, I like to talk a lot of smack with them and, um, and just tell them that I whoop their asses every day, whether it's whatever we're doing. But to be fair, it's uh, it's getting uncomfortable for me to go that speed. Um, I don't, I don't really like it. So they're they're yeah. pretty quick. And I got Evan and Trent are the two kids I'm rider coaching. And not only are they talented, but they're so dicey. It's um, the aggression level in these younger kids is just like you know, and you could, they could be racing for a pack of Skittles. Like they don't even care about the money. They're going to saw each other's front wheels off for, for nothing. It's like, um, so it's just weird seeing that, you know, it's just different for me, this, this transition. Well, in a way that, that, that competitive mindset is pretty, a pretty good thing. I mean, that was, you know, I grew up in the time when, you know, out at Kenny's ranch would be Kenny, Kenny Jr., Wayne, Eddie Lawson, Schobert, myself i could actually get in the mix with those guys but you know i think chris Carr showed up once or twice curtis was was in there but you know every and it was just it was just testing practicing basically you know those guys would go up there weeks at a time but it was every time you'd line up it was like a national and you know everybody just pushed each other and nobody really got dirty or sought anybody off. There was some bumping and grabbing and stuff like that. But I think, yeah. I think that was a, you know, Kaczynski was another one that was in the mix, but I think that was, um, well, if you, you surround know, yourself with them def- people, yeah, it helps. Yeah. For sure. Definitely a benefit to push each other, I guess. Cause none of those guys ever wanted to be the the last guy. Yeah. And it's, it's a, it's a double-edged sword. If, if you get out there and you're pushing with guy, like, like at the moto track, there's 15 or 20 of us and, and, you know, uh, guys are, they, they want to be faster than so-and-so on the moto track and they're doing triples they shouldn't be doing. But, you know, in a small group, like with Trent, Evan and myself, and I'm pretty competitive, like, I feel like I could still run with the top guys. Um, so I don't want yeah. these kids to be quicker than me. So I'm training extra hard. Like they're keeping me fresh and keeping me ready for, I don't know, vet, vet races, I guess. Like, I, I don't know what I'm doing right now, but, uh, yeah, so it's. 
it's cool and having them push each other and um you know that's why i guess i'm not overly surprised that uh how evan did over the weekend because you know he's riding with trent every every day he's riding with me so yeah it, it definitely helps but i know you follow aft and um you come to some races like like i saw you at volusia you'll probably come to daytona this year and um, I'm to Daytona and, I, and I just moved up to Washington State and I think if it's an off weekend then I'll probably head down to Castle Rock to, to check that out last yeah. time I was at Castle Rock I think was 1972 or something like that it was whenever uh, Yamaha had the factory team it was Kenny Gene Romero and Don Castro and oh, yeah. uh, I drove up there my dad was a mechanic for working on Kenny's bike I think it was and even even then I heard it was pretty you know, pretty wild event this year, but I remember even back then I was probably 10 or 11 years old and it was kind of a wild scene then. And actually Gene Romero after the race, he, he, uh, you know, he gave me a drink of my first beer. So I don't know if that's something to be proud of. Oh yeah. (laughs) Nice. No. Yeah. I mean, uh, Castle Rock was really, really fun last year. I heard actually just a couple of days ago that, um, that, uh, Thor, I I think his name's Thor, the um, CC guy. He's not promoting right. it, actually. Um, Steve DiLorenzi that does Sacramento Mile is promoting it. So a uh, little bit different pr- pr- like promoter. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it should be good. Steve does a good job with uh, with Sac Sacramento. Mile. But, yeah, I had no idea that that actually is uh, getting transitioned. But, no, that'll be a good one to go to. I'm, I don't know if I'm doing that one yet. I, I probably should be there. But, um, yeah. yeah, I got a crazy uh, crazy schedule this year. But, Going into Daytona 200, um, that's coming up here in what a month and five days. It's it's crazy. It happens <laughs> yeah. quick, man. So, and I I got a question for you. Um, well, first I'll I'll give you an easier one. Maybe it's easier. The uh, uh, the 200 went away from pro racing for I don't, I don't know how many years it was. I'm gonna spitball maybe four to five six years. Maybe I don't know. I'm probably off, but you know, it went away and then you guys brought it back. So what was, what went into that decision uh, with having it kind of not having it and then bringing it back, like the importance of having it in Moto America again? Cause I think it's, I think it's really key to have that race as part of the schedule, no matter how you guys have to do it, I think it needs to happen. Um, and when they had it as the club race, quote unquote, it, it just wasn't, it was still a big event. It paid really well, but it just didn't have that same feeling. And now it's back. More top riders are doing it. And I just want to get some insight on, on kind of how that all happened. Well, to, you know, to start with, when we um, took over the series, I guess it was September, 2014, 15 was our first year running the series. I think, Um, you know, we, we, the announcement was made in September um, Daytona was still being run by DMG, I believe, believe it was. And there was a tire test. They had to, they had to made, they had made an announcement that they were going back to super bikes for the 200 and there was a tire test scheduled for October. So the first questions that we were facing was, you know, are you doing the tire test? I mean, we talk about, you know, drinking from a fire hose. So, um, you know, to have the first thing kind of thrust upon you when you had no schedule, no rules or nothing was, Hey, are you going to do the tire test in four weeks, <laughs> you know, at Daytona? And so we, we talked a lot about it. Um, we didn't think that at that time, you know, the, the, the super bikes, you know, it, it already been running with 600s for a few years, going back to super bikes had complications equipment, tires, the whole thing. And, 
we just decided to take a break from it and focus our series on sprint racing. And um, so we did that. And, and Kevin Elliott, um, Azra CCS, you know, they came in and took it over and kept the event going, which, um, you know, we're, we're thankful for. And Kevin recently passed away. I think it was about a week ago. So, you know, obviously we appreciate that he kept the event going. What kind of transitioned us back into it was, the the new rules that world superbike adapted for the next gen and i was at daytona um i guess it would have been the the the, the final year kevin ran it uh scott smart from the fim he's the fim technical director was there he was talking about you know the next gen concept and the way the the, the way that the bikes would be balanced and so forth and and manufactured open the door for and i thought you know if, if they're going to go that way why don't we do that at daytona and try and bring back you know if we can get the ducatis back in at the triumphs back in it racing against the yamahas and and um, you know anybody else that, that that could put a program together that was probably the time for us to to come back in so you know our, our first stab at it was last year uh the racing was great you know we had uh, um uh you know, it kind of panned out how we thought with the different manufacturers. And I think it's uh, got a good chance to expand and we're looking forward to um, more Europeans coming over. Um, you know, it's, it's not part of the actual Moto America championship, the Daytona 200 event. And, and that in part was, you know, with some discussions that we had with uh, Mike Buckley at Dunlop, um, I thought, to create the uniqueness of the event, you know, having the tire wars back in it, you know, just added another element of the race. So, you know, he kind of signed off on that. So it's open tires. So it's not a championship race, but obviously we do bring the baggers and the hooligans and the twins. So it's, um, it's a good, good weekend. We're really looking forward to the, you know, to our next iteration. We hope that we have some better breaks with the weather because it, it definitely from our standpoint, wasn't our best at running an event, but we had a lot of challenges um this year should be great really looking forward to it yeah you mentioned dunlop and they're a supporter of the podcast so i want to give them a shout out they pretty much have every tire you can think of um 19 inch 17 inch flat track tires off-road street slicks anything you guys need dunlop motorcycle tires.com um this one you probably can't answer this was the harder question but um, you definitely can't answer. I don't even know. You're, underestimate. You're underestimating me, Corey. Come All on. right. Daytona 200 predictions. Um, if you, who's, who's look, who's the top guy? I mean, who's, who's, who's your pick Chuck? I mean, you can't really, uh, it probably, it, that's the, probably the hardest race to predict as well. Like watching last year, um, and I'm a good buddy of Brandon Posh, like, well, some days when he's not pissing me off, but that's my guy. And I'm just kidding. That's my guy. I've watched him grow up. Um, spent so much time with Brandon throughout the years and I love him like a little brother, but I didn't think he was going to win that race last year. It, there was no, nothing told me. I mean, I was a little inner confident cause I know how good he is and I know he's a really smart racer, but watching it, I'm like, man, I don't think he has enough to win. And then last lap, sure as fuck, he fucking wins the race. So um this year i don't know i didn't see the entries i know it's getting more stacked every year i know there's some more europeans coming um if there's somebody that's going to give him a run who are some of the guys you think we can expect at the front well the entries still haven't officially closed yet so we're still you know as 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 you know as a racer a lot of racers kind of procrastinate having to you know enter and do, do that kind of paperwork side of it so we're still expecting you know uh, 
um, you know, more entries coming in the next couple of weeks, but it's, it's a really hard one to, to pick. I mean, last year there were four guys that crossed the finish line with a blanket over them basically. And, um, what Brandon won by 0.007 or something like that with his draft, he definitely had that last lap wired. Um, you know, Chevy Forrest is going to ride the super sport Ducati. Um, apparently, uh, you know, he's a pretty seasoned veteran, even though it'll be his first time there. I think Heron, you know, is going to ride it again, which he really wants to, to win it as well. So it's, it's a, it's a hard one. You know, that, that, that first stint before the first pit stop last year, there was like a 12, 12, 14 man pack. Um, so what, what's cool about it is that, you know, part of, part of what determines the outcome obviously is your, your, your team with the, with the pit stops. And so, you know, I don't know. It's, uh, you're right. It's, it's, uh, a hard one to answer. You're a hard one. it's a hard one to answer. And I'm going to take the fifth on it, I think, because we don't have all the entries in yet. Is uh, Eslick on the entry list or? Uh, not yet, but I, I'm, uh, I've heard rumors that uh, hopefully he'll be back. Yeah. All right. We like, uh, we like Eslick and Daytona. That that's a good mixture, man. We, uh, For sure. we, we, we like, uh, that was a good little duo last year, teammates, uh, Posh and, and Eslick. That was like, if you want to go out after the race, that's a solid duo to, uh, you know, it's a solid duo to draft with <laughs> at the 200 and it's a solid duo to hit Rousels up at after the race for sure. There you go. Uh, yeah, Josh, Josh Hayes is another one that really wants to win that race bad. And I think he'll be back as well. I forgot Hayes was, yeah, Hayes is probably going to do it. Um, I got to look at the entry list. I know, I know last year there was a couple one off guys that did it. Um, not one off, but it like the cool thing about Daytona that it's not a championship, um, like race with the, in the super sport class is you have, you have guys that can drop down and do it and they're interested. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. It adds a lot of really cool wild cards. Like I think, um, uh, you had Cam Peterson and uh, 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 Sheridan. Was it Sheridan? Uh, he was. Yeah, I'm trying to. Yeah, yeah. So there was, there was some good good guys in it. Wasn't did Gagne do it too? But he dropped out. Gagne did it, and then he had a he had a practice oh, crash. crash. That's right. Yeah. yeah, exiting pit lane, and so it kind of kind of you know he was he started the race but i think he dropped out before the first pit stop which is too too sore yeah. but definitely uh, i know cam peterson wants to come back and try and try and uh, reverse what happened to him uh, last year you know for his yeah. first time there to get a, a close second i think he probably thought he had it won until he saw that front tire of brandon's <laughs> come yeah. across in front of him but oh man that's like you mentioned the time gap and how much money they've the from first to second i mean it had to be Every yeah. bit of thirty-five, forty thousand dollar, uh, tenth of a second or hundredth of a second uh, loss there, but that's racing, man. That's why we, uh, that's why we love it, and that's why the fans love Daytona. Um, in in any kind of racing, like you just that's never know. Daytona is always a crapshoot. So, um, I'm gonna get a little nitty gritty on you, Chuck, and I don't know. Again, this might be something that you can or can't answer, but. Last year we had Petrucci come over and it was really good for the sport to have, have a MotoGP winner um, come over and race with our guys. And it's no secret on social media and things like that. He was a little spicy and sporty toward Moto America. And what was your um, relationship like with um, Danilo and, and how did it kind of progress over the season? Cause he, I know he's not coming back, but 
um, it was kind of a rough start, but it seemed like it, you know, he slowly started to kind of, um, kind of like, I don't know, have more, I don't know the right word, but he, he adapted more within the series as the kind of season went on. <clears throat> yeah. I, um, you know, it was great to have Danello in the, in the championship. Uh, it brought us a lot of European followers. It brought us a lot of people that watch MotoGP, um, over to follow, you know, his, his participation in, in our series. Um, certainly it started off good for him at, at, at Coda. Yeah, I think he won both races, but you know, that's a Grand Prix level racetrack. And I think he was quick to find out when he got to, <laughs> to road Atlanta, the second one, um, there were a couple of things that he didn't expect. You know, one was probably the nature of the racetrack. I'm sure he had some expectation they weren't going to be like Grand Prix tracks, but I think the humidity, um, you know, the, the heat, unless you're in a place like Malaysia or Indonesia, uh, you know, the weather at Grand Prix circuits is pretty, you know, pretty mild, you know, compared to some of the things, you know, when you get into Alabama and the, you know, the, the thrust of humidity or VIR or those kind of places. So I think, I think he didn't really expect that, um, you know, really where we came to a head was well there were a couple things that happened we had some uh, a power problem at, at Atlanta and I think you know to me it seemed like he was quick to to throw blame somewhere and it, you know it seemed like it it, it was always directed at, at us at Moto America and but you know basically what I would do is 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 work with him and go back and show him you know what exactly happened so he would have a good understanding of you know, why the power problem happened at VIR with the situation with the flagman. And, and, you know, uh, I mean, Corey, you were there at VIR. We, we had our new replay system and, you know, he was saying he was on the ground for three minutes or five minutes or whatever. And it was you and I that went back and counted the time <laughs> and it, it clearly wasn't, but yeah, I think a lot of that is emotion. You know, the, he, you know, he, he's a, he's a hard rider. He's a hard charger. He's a fast rider. And he had some competition. And um, so I'm not going to put any blame to him on, on, on what he, you know, what he said, you know, obviously when we disagreed on his version of things, I would, you know, I would try and talk it out with him or try and explain to him, you know, the sequence of events that would, that would happen, whether it helped or not in his mind, I don't know, but um, at least he would have a clear understanding of the facts. And yeah. I think what I did, what I did as well is at, you know, the, the following race was at road America and I took him kind of go on a tour basically behind the scenes. And I, I introduced him to everybody in race control. I showed him, you know, the amount of cameras that we have on, on, on people, how our system works, how our TV works, took them through the TV trucks and, and really tried to get him to, you know, instead of it, just him being on his own, really trying to understand these are the people here to help you and to work with you. And um, this is the effort that we're putting in to build up the series. And I think I think that um, kind of showed him a different view of, you know, what our goals were and, and what we were trying to do and, and how professional the series we're trying to run. Yeah. And, you know, since then he was, you know, he was, he was okay. You know, and I, I think at the end of the season, a barber had a good discussion with him. And I think some of his frustrations weren't really all his frustrations weren't just at the series. He had some other things going on too, but um, he's a good guy. Um, you know, I, I would like to have seen him come back. 
I understand, you know, he, he has had another chance for a world championship and he, you know, he wants to take on that challenge, but certainly I hope, hope he comes back because, you know, at the end of the day, he did raise the level of Moto America. He raised the, the, the number of eyeballs watching and he's a good guy. So uh, we'd welcome him back for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it was, it was really cool uh, having him there and I didn't have any direct uh, combos with him myself. Um, but the, yeah, the VIR thing was, it was just like, I'm like, no way, dude. Like I was, you know, I was in race control for that. And, and the biggest thing was just I, I that I didn't like him and the team um, just putting the blame on, I think it was Skolt saying he pushed him wide around the kink, which right. caused him to crash. And he did it on purpose. And that's like, it's one thing that, you know, to say like he, he would try to purposely push him wide off the kink to crash him is like, I'm like, dude, that's, you can't really say that's st- like, that's so untrue. And it's just not fair to Skolt's to, uh, to say that. Right. And, and, you know, the, the land on the ground thing is, you know, that, that was whatever. I mean, it's, um, not true, but the, um, putting the blame on, on Skolt's and his team and saying he meant that he did it maliciously, I, I was shocked and it's just uh, like, I don't know. And, and my position as a, as an employee of Moto American race control, I have to, you know, watch the replays and try and stay neutral. But also like I watched it, I was at the kink and I'm like, dude, not even close. Like, um, so anyway, it was one of them things where it was, and then reading all the, the journalists from overseas, like shit talk the series and, and just taking his word without even fucking watching the race, taking his word for what he's saying and like them bashing, bashing the series was uh you know as i was in race control it was so hard for me to not not go on there and just hammer these journalists who who weren't there so um, yeah i think i I think Corey, probably both me and wayne were probably more disappointed in some of the european journalists just taking you know what danello's you know comments were as gospel and some of those guys are friends of ours too you know from our time spent in europe and yeah. To not even call us and say, "Hey, what's you know what's the story here? What's going on?" I mean, we're we're pretty genuine guys. If, if it you know if it's our fault, then certainly we're gonna uh, you know we're gonna take the blame, um, and then we'll try and you know make amends on how to how to resolve or fix things. But yeah, but those guys just took you know Danello's word and and kind of bashed us as well. I think that was you know, like I said, Danello was, uh, you know, he's passionate and, you know, I took the brunt of his, uh, outburst at, at, at VIR, but, um, yeah. the, um, you know, it is what it is. And, yeah. and, but, but to have so-called journalists, you know, kind of bashing us without even asking that, that was probably the most disappointing yeah. part of that. And I'm just being honest. I thought it was bullshit. It took everything I had to, uh, to not comment back, but I, I did it. <laughs> if it was Robbie Bobby, he would have just started going off, but oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I held back. I think I even said to you, I'm like, Chuck, I'm going to comment on these guys. And <laughs> so, uh, but no, it, it was, yeah. And it's, uh, from what I've seen from some of those, um, the journalists from overseas, they're just, um, yeah, there, that's kind of, it wasn't overly surprising to see that, to see that, but it was just disappointing. Cause, cause like, you know, I was there and it's like, dude, like, come on, like, just like watch this and transitioning a little bit. Like I will say, and I'll get your thoughts on it, but it's really cool. And you don't see it as much in flat track for whatever reason. And I'm not going to bash anybody or the riders of the series, but the riders in Moto America, they all went to bat 
for the series after that happened. Um, you know, people from overseas, they were trashing on the series and you had some of your top riders stand up for the series and like take pride. Like the riders take a lot of pride in Moto America, the riders that race in it, they're, they're prideful of the series they compete in. And you don't see that as much in, or at all in flat track. Um, so it was really cool. Like Danilo and they were kind of the journalists were hammering the series and you had your top guys kind of stand up for you guys. And I thought that was really cool. And it was just something that I'm not used to seeing. That was uh really cool. No, I was definitely really appreciative of our guys, uh, you know, taking that stance, but I think, I think most of them, you know, understand where the series was before we took it over. And I think they, um, you know, they've, they've, they know what our goals are. They've seen how much work and money and time we put into, you know, trying to raise the level of the championship. And I think, you know, you know, we're trying to make Moto America a place that, you know, they, anybody would be proud to race at. And I think our riders are, you know, it's a legit championship this year. The Superbike class probably has seven or eight guys that could win races or, you know, at least be on the podium. So it's, you know, it's, it's a pretty high level. And the other classes we brought on as, as uh, have proven popular, you know, from twins to baggers to the next gen super sport to, you know, build train race to hooligans, you know, so I think, um, you know, our, our, our spectator count's been getting higher and higher. So I think at the end of the day, our riders know how, how hard we've worked to develop a, a top series and, and, um, yeah, they're proud to be here too. So, yeah, I got a couple, um, couple quick ones and we'll wrap it up. I just want to get your thoughts kind of, I don't know, quick answer with a brief explanation on some of these. Um, what do you feel is the hardest job in Moto America? Who's got the hardest job? Uh, I guess it probably depends when, <laughs> you know, uh, um, yeah, I mean, certainly none of it, none of it is easy, Corey. I mean, you know, as a race promoter that there's so many moving pieces to it that all of them are important and, and all of them are, are, are have their difficulties, you know, for, for us, for, I mean, just starting out, you know, when I develop a schedule, if, if one or two tracks, you know, don't have our date, then, you know, it's a problem. So that's, that's hard. And, you know, you get your schedule, your TV, and then sponsorship has to sell it, you know, sponsor, selling sponsorship these days is not easy. Um, developing rules that satisfy people, uh, everyone is pretty much impossible. So hopefully you get it right and satisfy the majority. So I don't, I don't think there's, I don't think there's an easy task in any of it. And, um, you know, we have a, we have a great group of, uh, of people in all departments, um, that, that, that help put these things on and they all work hard. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say there's hardest part or easiest part because it's all, you know, it's all hard work. Okay. That's like, it's probably, the, uh, I think, the... I think, on, I think from Wayne's perspective, it's, you know, it's a lot easier, you know, when you, <clears throat> your biggest worry is putting on your leathers and putting your helmet and flicking your shield down and figuring out how you're going to win a race than trying to put on a whole series for everybody, you know, and, yeah. and we, we carry a lot of responsibility too. You know, when, when we first did this, you know, Richard Varner's, uh, you know, I think his last words before we all committed was, you know, part of this is we're creating jobs and, um, uh, you know, 
that's that on itself. It's a lot of weight to carry on your shoulders, you know, with decisions that you make. So, you know, yeah. we're trying to create revenue streams for riders. We're trying to create jobs for mechanics and team managers so they can create a business out of having race teams. So it's, uh, yep. it's not easy. No, no, that's a, that's a very, uh, COO, uh, answer, man. I, I like that. Um, who is the most underrated rider in Moto America that you can think of? Like, is there somebody out there that maybe hasn't had the best equipment? Um, you know, they, who's underrated, uh, obviously the, a bad answer would be like Heron or Hayes. Um, but who do you, who do you see in the next couple of years, the results like drastically improving where people be like, wow, you know, I, that he's really stepped it up. Um, I don't know if he's underrated or, or not, but I think a guy that could do good if he, you know, had the, had the right equipment and you saw some flashes of it is Ashton Yates. Um, you know, I like, I like how he rides. Um, I like his background with his father's grandfather there. I think he's, I think he's got a lot of talent. Um, I don't know him really at all, but I've, I've always thought, you know, he's somebody with some talent, same as Brandon. I think, uh, I think Brandon's got a lot of a lot of talent and um, could do good things in the future. Young guys coming up, I've, I've kind of you know watched Blake Davis, you know, since he was coming around the races when he was about eight eight years old, and it's kind of cool to see his progression. You know, he's our Twins champion now at sixteen years old, and he's going to ride the two hundred on a Super Sport bike. So I think we got we got some good guys coming up, and Kayla Yakov is. Um, you know, it's going to be fun to watch her transition as well as she moves up to the bigger bikes. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree on the on all those. That was a was a good answer. Uh, how long, if ever, before we see another U.S. champion in MotoGP? Hmm. That's yeah. That's uh, that's come on, Chuck. One. Throw it out there, man. It's a uh, we like the hard questions. I, I man, I. I guess we kind of took it for granted, right? I mean, it happened so much in Grand Prix races. Not so much, but it, obviously it was way more frequently that to see those Americans win the, the titles in Grand Prix. And then we might have even took it for granted when Nikki won um, in 06. Like, we, I, I think we just, at the time, we probably didn't think we would have this long of a drought, right? So, um it's, no. you know, how, how do we ever see one? Do, you know, is it, it's... It's, I think it's, it's uh, weird to think about. I mean, part of our mission is to try and create steps to give, you know, riders opportunity to, to get there. But I think we're still even missing, a, a you know, a, a, a couple steps there, to be honest. I mean, we have a good transition in our classes from Junior Cup up to Superbike. But, you know, something... We need we need more kids involved, which in part is why we're trying to expand and, and continue to develop our Mini Cup series just to get more you know, volume is what we need, um, of participation. And, you know, if you're, if you're looking at kids that are starting now from six to, you know, 10 years old, then, you know, you can't even ride a MotoGP race till you're 18. It could be some time. Um, you know, the, the kind of the missing part, I think the American mm -hmm. racing team is helping a little bit with, you know, where, where Joe Roberts, you know, he went over there and rode for the American racing team and then Cameron and Sean Dillon Kelly, we need a place over in Europe that our riders could go to, um, you know, a, a, a good team with a solid base and, and learn the craft. Um, I think it's, 
I think it's difficult, you know, to jump on a, you know, a, a super bike these days and go straight to MotoGP bike. It's probably not going to happen unless, unless there's some crazy circumstance. But I do believe if a kid like Tyler Scott, for instance, came out and was super bike champion next year, he's going to get spotted, you know, and he's going to get thrown in the mix, but you know, it's going to yeah. take something like that really um, something extraordinary to, to get somebody up there soon. Um, otherwise, you know, we, from our side, we just need to focus on building the continuing to build that step ladder to, to get kids, you know, or, or individuals opportunity over there. Yeah. And it's hard too. like, we had cam on the pod and um, how much money he was making here in America um, winning super bike championships and the contingency from Yamaha and his salary and monster. And, you know, to, uh, to go overseas, especially right off the bat, you know, being a, a smaller fish in the big pond, you're going to take a pay cut. So at some point it's, you got to do what's best from a financial standpoint. And then, you know, you got to keep that in mind, but if your ultimate goal is just racing and winning overseas, you kind of, you, you chase those goals, but for someone like Cam, when he, you know, he won a bunch of superbike titles here and then to go over there and, you know, the uncertainty and not knowing what your pay, what his pay is going to be or how much he's going to make. It's, um, you know, then, then when he went over, he's in his late twenties or whatever. So it's kind of, you sort of miss the window of like opportunity. And I've seen it in my career. It's like, even though I was winning championships in my early thirties, I'm still old, like quote unquote right. old. Like there was kids that I was beating every year that would get rides <laughs> instead yeah. of me. It's like, I'm beating these guys. And you know, the, the excuse is, well, you're kind of older and you know, it's like, well, fuck that dude. I just won. Like I ain't that old. So <laughs> <laughs> but, but um, too, Corey, you got to look at, you know, the, in the moto, I mean, I spent 20 years in the moto GP paddock and it's a lot different now than it was then. But now, really, they they look at what's in front of them, and it's really the the Moto three kids, the Moto two kids coming up, and that's who they're who they're looking at. When when you got you know Jonathan, and I'm I'm not just being biased, you know, because I, I do think Jonathan's one of the most talented you know riders in the world. When he gets passed up for Moto GP opportunities, when Toprak gets passed up, you know, it's not just an American problem. It's it, you know. That, that community needs to, to, to look around a little bit more in my yeah, opinion. That's true. I didn't think about that um, from that side of it as well, but no, that's some, uh, that's some good insight. Um, I got two more Chuck um, bagger racing long-term or short-term. How, how, how long do you think bagger racing is, is going to go? I've, as soon as it started, it was kind of funny for me to see baggers racing. It was like, hell yeah like that's sick like kind of just like seeing the uh hooligans at Costa Mesa back in the day and <laughs> hooligan racing like it was it was kind of a novelty and some people a lot of people have a hard time with it you know they think it's stupid but um golly they're flying and the talent levels and the brands getting involved it's it's done a lot of good for the sport so do you think it's sustainable um what are your thoughts on the growth of bagger racing and the, the long-term kind of outlook. I think it'll be around long enough for you to start racing one and maybe <laughs> to start racing one. Gary Gray, you listening? <laughs> Throw me on a bike. <laughs> yeah. No, I think, uh, you know, it, it really, from where it started to where it's going this year, it, it's been a little bit of uh, wild west and with the rules and what you could do. And, and we've kind of tightened things up with it this year. And, and really, you know, Corey, if you're going to start from scratch and go build the bagger, really with the the way we've mulligated things and 
And um, you could build the same bagger that Kyle Wyman's racing if you wanted to, or the same one that Tyler O'Hare's racing. You know, the, all those parts would be available to you. We've introduced uh, rev limiters to uh, try and help the longevity of the, the, the motors and uh, try and help the cost, you know, a bit. You know, they're going to race 14 times this year, which is a lot more than they raced last year. So I think with those, you know, those things in place, um, it really gives opportunity to anybody to, to, to come in and compete at the highest level. And I think as long as you have that and it's somewhat affordable as far as affordability goes in racing, that there's going to be opportunity there. So I don't, I don't see it going away. You know, I know the passion that both, both brands, Harley Davidson and Indian have for it. And, um, you know, we're, we get inquiries from all over the world about having bagger races and it's, it's not, it's certainly back in 2015 when we started Moto America, we didn't see this really on the horizon, but it's uh, certainly been a benefit for us for sure. Because that's, if you go to our races now, there's a great mix of, guys riding baggers but they're also watching superbike races you know yeah. and vice versa so um you know our, our races have turned into kind of motorcycle cultural parties you know you got bill train race with the royal infields and and the hooligans and baggers and superbikes and you know ducati so all the brands are there pretty much and and um so yeah the you know i think the baggers are here to here to stay for for a while yeah, I thought the bagger thing would have been cool um, for me to try, like maybe the first year when they were 15 seconds a lap slower than the pace <laughs> they're running now. And right. watching yeah. them in the rain at uh, New Jersey last year, I'm like, man, I don't think I want any parts of this. I, uh, It's been about nine years, Chuck, since I've been on a road race bike. And right. I think if I was going to do it, um, I would just do like Twins Cup because I have... I have some experience on the, on that, like Yamaha MT07 platform. Um, but I, I did say that I would love to do the 200 one year just to say I've done it because like my dad did it and he did, I, I forget what he finished, but I, I want to say it was like top 15. Like he did pretty well, um, when he did it. And I thought, I just think it'd be cool to do like, um, I've ridden Daytona on the XR 1200 and I did, I was like mid pack. Like I did. All right. It was, that class was pretty stacked too, but yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, at this point, like probably, I probably won't do it, but it'd be cool. <laughs> but you know what else at Daytona, especially the, you know, the sound of the V twins and the, you know, the baggers around the banks is pretty awesome in its own right. You know, watching those oh, yeah. and the draft and the draft they pick up off of each other. If you go back, to last year and watch some of the finishes they were pretty pretty exciting for sure yeah no i i caught the end of the bagger race so i'm excited for the 200 chuck it's uh for anybody listening it's the uh the the, the whole weekend yeah come out and check it out the daytona 200 is on that saturday march 11th um as chuck said earlier there's baggers twins cup super hooligan racing uh if you're anywhere in daytona during bike like bike week i know a lot of you a lot of you people are a lot of the flat track fans you're gonna watch the short track thursday friday hang out, come watch the 200 tailgate in the infield. Um, it's just a really cool experience to be a part of inside that speedway. If you've never done it, put it on your to-do list and, uh, and make that happen. Uh, last question for you, Chuck, and I'll let you go. I know your, your, your phone's probably blowing up cause I can never get a hold of you. So I can't imagine your, uh, your, you phone just don't race. try hard. You don't try hard enough. I just yell at you. I'm like, come on, Chuck. I know you ain't that busy. <laughs> Call me back. <laughs> uh and then you call me back and i like don't answer it's like okay i'm sorry yeah, exactly 
Uh, <laughs> what who's your MotoGP favorite for 23 like um that's probably something that's an easier one like who who are you picking to win the championship in uh this this coming season you know i'm uh, i think it's going to be super competitive it's going to be it's going to be close um there's a lot of a lot of good guys the, the bikes are advancing so much but i think uh, i'm going to go with a little bit of a wild card um Cause I think he's, he's got a bit of a chip on his shoulder and he wants to go, you know, prove some things, but I, I'm going to pick Miguel Oliveira ah. on the Proya. Yeah. I think he's going to win some races. I think he's going to be in the hunt. And, um, yeah, I think, you know, with how many times they're going to race, they have 22 Grand Prix and the short races. So it's going to be 40 braces that count right. for points. Um, there's going <laughs> to, there's going to be a lot going on for sure, but I don't know. For some reason, he sticks out. Um, I think uh, you know. I'm looking forward to seeing the first race because there's it's it's going to be uh, it's going to be some crazy stuff going on for sure. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty. It's a lot more wide open than it used to be. I feel like from like ten years ago when you had two or three guys that were were winning. I think now there's and without even looking at the stats, there's probably five or seven. Right? Like it's um, yeah, it's it's, it's pretty open on and and with Marquez with Marquez back to full health and you know good bike bad bike he's going to be in there no matter what so yeah you can never count that guy out amazing yeah, guy to watch for sure um well I appreciate you man thanks for taking the time it's uh it's been uh, a lot of fun there's so much to talk about but appreciate you being a listener and taking time to come on the pod um i guess i'll see you in daytona i'm gonna i'm gonna come over and i don't know what i don't think i'm doing anything important that weekend i'm just there's no mini cup so i'll uh just walk around maybe i'll find someone's bike to ride i don't know so there there you go yeah and um yeah we'll see you in daytona Corey, and hopefully all your fans and listeners could come out and, and watch it if they can't get there in person the 200 is going to be available live on Moto America Live Plus. So that'd be a good place to go watch it if you can't be there in person. And appreciate the time on the pod. Um, we'll have to get Skip on here eventually. Um, I'd love to have Skip on. I have <laughs> the older guys. I do. I've been trying to get like Mike Kidd. I've been trying to get Rod Lake. I'm trying to get uh, all these guys. I've been struggling with uh, with guests. Like they just like, eh, I don't really feel like it. It's like, come on. <laughs> The fans want to hear from you. So it's not, are you, do you know, um, obviously you know him, but how well do you know Miguel Duhamel? Like I've, we were, we were close to getting him on and then he, he wanted to get paid and I'm like, dude, I can't pay you to come on. I didn't, Kenny didn't get paid. So I, I'd love to have him <laughs> on too. I just, these guys, like these older guys, they don't want to, they don't care anymore. They're just like, uh, eh, eh, it's fine. I don't even be honest. Well, they're all doing stuff. I think Miguel plays a lot of golf. Skip plays a lot of golf. I know that. But um, you know, I guess when you're retired, you're out having fun and don't don't really care to talk to you, Corey. I fuck. I don't blame him to be honest. Uh, especially if Robbie Bobby's on too. It's like it's probably the last thing they want to do. But well, when uh, we had when I talked to John about coming on your podcast, Kaczynski, he made he wanted to have Robbie Bobby on there. So <laughs> yeah, he did. give Robbie some credit, you know. He was cool, man. <laughs> Kaczynski was like he listens to almost every show. He knew like all the list, like everything. Yeah. I was like, oh wow, cool, man. That was a forgot about John. That was a fun one. Yeah, we've had some good ones, but we'll uh we'll keep them going. I appreciate your uh you helping out with uh with guests too, man. That's uh really, really cool. So, um, yeah. cool, man. No, so thanks. John. No worries. Catch Talk you soon. to you soon. Yep. Bye. See ya.
Chuck Axland. Yeah, that's uh that's my boy Chuck. That was a good one. Uh, a lot of a lot of really cool things they're working on at Moto America as we head into the season. Uh I saw somewhere just um their 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 social media numbers and YouTube and everything they're doing like they're on par on pace right now with like NASCAR as far as subscribers and everything Moto America is doing on on that standpoint as well cuz we didn't talk about that too much with Chuck, but if you can, if you're listening and you don't follow Moto America on YouTube or, you know, social media, go check out their pages. They do a really good job with their content. It's been entertaining. And uh, honestly, I want to give a, a, a shout out to AFT, uh, American Flat Track. They've really stepped up their um, their social stuff here in the last, I would say, last few weeks, maybe a month where they've been putting out more content, more videos. Um, they always kind of struggled with it. And now it seems like they're they're doing a lot better. And I know they're they're short staffed as well. Everybody's trying to get content out, but um, yeah, Moto America is, you know, it's the last few years, there's just, there's not many series out there that do what they're doing on a content standpoint. So definitely, you know, any aspiring series or anything like that, like that, check out what Moto America is doing. Cause they, they've, they figured it out. I want to give a shout out to roof systems of Dallas, Texas, Jerry Stinchfield, everything he does for the sport nearly 40 years of experience in the commercial and industrial roofing business. Check out his website, commercialroofsystems.net. Shout out Manscaped, just supporting the riders, keeping us clean, shaved down like a baby seal. That's lap times, that's horsepower. If you uh, follow Cody Cop on social media, you'll notice he posted a photo of him in his bicycle kit. And, you know, he can't hang with the boys on the bicycle ride. And I solely blame his hairy ass legs for that, um, that, you know, discrepancy in times on the bicycle ride. So if Cody Cobb would invest in a manscaped, he would probably be able to pick up some time on the road bike ride. So, um, or he's going to audition for Chewbacca in the newest star Wars movie, but we, we have the manscaped products available on their website, manscaped.com. And with the code tank slap 20, 20% off and free shipping. So if you want to increase your lap times, on the bicycle and the motorcycle, uh, walking down the road, just aerodynamics, check out Manscaped. Uh, we'll get you dialed in with that code, TankSlap20. I want to do a shout out to Yamaha Motorsports and Yamaha Racing. They've been with us for a couple of years now and love my my new Yamaha 23450. It's uh, it's so fast. It's it's absolutely insane how far these dirt bikes have come in, in the last 10, 15 years. So uh, really, really cool lineup of motorcycles, street bikes, their trail bikes, the TTR lineup. We're going to utilize those in mini cup. They are going to offer contingency in mini cup, which I'm really excited about. It's the first time we've had manufacturer contingency in mini cup and Yamaha is, is, uh, is involved with that. So big shout out to, uh, everything Yamaha, everything they're doing with the sport and the podcast. Uh, it's definitely appreciated. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited for, for the season to start, Moto America and Flat Track, we'll do some more interview pods as we lead up to the year here. We have, man, like I said, we're like a month out from the start of the season. It's uh, it's crazy. These months fly by. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify. We're working the YouTube a little bit. We're hoping to have another video pod here in the near future. And we'll just keep these guests coming at you guys and we'll do a season preview pod with Moto America and American Flat Track. Get Robbie Bobby on and uh, and we'll uh throw out our picks for the year. Uh 
much love, guys. Appreciate everybody tuning in. With that being said, until the next one, we out.